For some, the COVID-19 pandemic feels like it's been going on for decades. But for others, HIV and AIDS has been a pandemic that's been going on for decades. And 40 years after it was first detected in the U.S., has the fight against AIDS seen progress? I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver, and this is Why. In San Francisco's Golden Gate Park, a National AIDS Memorial Tribute. 40 years after the U.S. Centers for Disease Control reported the first cases of a mysterious illness attacking healthy gay men. AIDS was a terrifying diagnosis. Doctors had no effective treatment, no matter how rich or famous you were. I was going to go back to my home in California and lock myself in my house and wait to die because that's what we thought of HIV. It was a death sentence. But Olympic gold medal diver Greg Luganis's doctor, his cousin, told him to keep training and compete in the 1988 games. I think it ultimately saved my life. The stigma of being HIV positive was crushing to members of the gay community. The disease looked different to the world after basketball star Magic Johnson revealed his diagnosis in 1991. Researchers struggled for 15 years to find effective life-prolonging treatments. I think people tend to forget the sorrow, the difficulty, the suffering that came before that. It's remarkable to think that AIDS was first detected 40 years ago. And you know, that got us thinking that during the COVID-19 pandemic, with shots now going in arms a year and a half after that virus was detected, has any progress been made on HIV AIDS? We spoke with Gary Lacoste, executive director of the Canadian AIDS Society. Gary, early June marks 40 years uh, since uh, the U.S. CDC first published a report about what ended up being uh, HIV AIDS uh, back in 1981. When you think about just the past four decades of the uh, what a lot of people have called it, rightly called the HIV AIDS pandemic, what are some of the, the, the highlights that come to you or perhaps lowlights, if that's a better term to use? Well, the highlights that come to, uh, to my, the front of my mind is that it's the first patient group that demanded that they be put center stage with researchers and doctors and to, to uh, require that nothing about them be done without them. So it, it, that was, it was the first patient group that really demanded that. And that was at the International AIDS Conference in Montreal in the 80s mm. uh, with silence equals death campaign and so on and so forth from ACT UP now. So it's come a long way because then came Denver principles that uh, really established uh, the guiding principles for great involvement of people living with AIDS at the time and now thriving with HIV. Though mm. there's some discussion about exactly what those handicaps are over mm -hmm. time. Gary, in the early 80s, AIDS was known as GRIT, or gay-related immune deficiency, but that's obviously changed. How has HIV AIDS evolved over time in terms of who it affects? Well, you see, the virus started off, it was a, it was a gay issue, supposedly, in brackets. Mm -hmm. So gay men were dying off. Nobody knew why. And uh, the stats have progressed through time to be worldwide now. 50-50 split between women and men who have HIV, okay? So we've had, there's, there was, there's been at least 75 million cases of HIV so far. 
approximately, though know, some of them, the, the, the documentation and the, and the stats is an issue, but half of them have died. So we have over 30 some odd thousand million deaths of HIV, of AIDS, I mean, and HIV related illnesses. So what, what really is, in, is, is, um, is frightening is that the level of understanding what HIV is today in Canada is not understood by our youth at all. Because our youth comprise 25% of the new infections. Mm. Okay, so that's one of the biggest groups that are being affected by HIV today. Hmm. So when we look at the curriculum in schools for sexual health knowledge, there's none. That's why we're coming out with sexual, behavior, sexual health behavior for youth because it's a gap in the space and so on and so forth. So it's like youth, uh, you could listen to the Today Show interview that happened a couple of days ago. The youth that was on the panel was saying, I didn't even know HIV existed, and this was a well-educated man, and this until he contracted HIV. Mm -hmm. So it's like it doesn't make sense that we that this is not taught, and this is not widely discussed, as because it really reduces the barriers to stigma if we discuss it openly, and calmly, and with respect and dignity. What HIV is, and we also I think have to lean on our elders and also lean on the shoulders of our giants that have passed to understand exactly what it is to have HIV. Mm -hmm. because, our, because the people who were to die of HIV in 1996, which was a milestone, are thriving now with HIV because of the antiretroviral treatments that came out in, the, in 1996. And since then, the other biggest statement, the milestone that came out was U equals U. HIV became a treatable disease in 1996, 15 years into the global pandemic. By this time, 19 million people had been affected by HIV. The effective treatment for HIV was known as combination drug therapy. Consisting of three medications, it stopped the virus from replicating in the blood, halting the transition from HIV to AIDS, and began to control what had become a globally devastating disease. Scientists found that with continued treatment, the amount of HIV in the blood became so low that routine tests could not find it. In other words, it was undetectable. In 2018, it was scientifically confirmed that someone with undetectable levels of HIV could not transmit the virus to a person who doesn't have HIV during sex. It was untransmissible. Undetectable equals untransmissible. You equals you. So when you talk about people who are on, on medication and continued medication can achieve uh, undetectable viral loads, cannot transmit HIV anymore. So that is the biggest tool in our toolbox for HIV prevention going forward. But it also reduces the stigma for those living with HIV, which is, I think, the biggest handicap to people living with HIV is the stigma associated with it. One thing that jumped out at me on your website is the fact that according to the Public Health Agency, Canada saw a fourth consecutive year of increases in HIV cases. As you said, it, it sounds like there's a real lack of preventative education. If I, could, if, I, if I could take this by a couple of different sides, first of all, first of all, with the new funding structure that came out 
in 2016, we saw a 25% increase from then to 2018. We are the G7 country that's lagging the worst for HIV around the world. Hmm. You know, that's the G7 summit at the moment, but we, for HIV, we're the country that's lagging the most in the G7 with the most uptake in HIV cases. Last year, there was a little decrease, but nobody can access testing because Hmm. of COVID. So we're in a a really dangerous spot. It's not only HIV, it's all, all other sexually transmitted diseases also. So when you put the two together, plus stagnant funding, which has not been increased, but our responsibilities at a community level have been increased to include other sexually transmitted diseases and COVID now, we can't continue doing so much with so little financial capacity. It doesn't make sense. And the government is on a slippery slope. And you know, like we can't just do prevention. We have to do a multi-pronged approach, but we have news for prevention. We have HIV self-testing kits now. Mm. We have point of care testing, but they have to be leveraged better than what they're being done at the moment. The federal government recently announced hundreds of millions of dollars to expand vaccine manufacture in Toronto. Does that give you hope for an HIV vaccine? How is that work going? Well, we have certain uh, researchers that are going on that, even though the McMaster uh, University in Toronto, uh, I believe that's where it's coming from, or is it London? Anyways, one or the other. Uh, But uh, there is some pass forward for a vaccine or cure for HIV. Are we going to get there in my lifetime? I don't think so. Uh, Mm. the, the, The thing is that HIV is a very changing and um, just like any other, like gonorrhea now is in certain cases untreatable because Mm. it morphed so much. So we don't know exactly where we're gonna land with it, but I mean, the the way to to move forward is to get a national pharmacare one payer system in place so that everybody across Turtle Island, across Canada, can have fair and equitable access to HIV meds, including PrEP, which is the pre-exposure to ensure that you don't contract HIV if you're if you have so, uh, if you have um, uh, chances of uh, contracting HIV, uh, and uh, being it being it readily available to everybody at almost no cost or no cost, like in BC really does bring the numbers down. Plus U equals U, plus uh, getting people tested at least once a year for everything. Uh, getting sexually, t- uh, getting tested for your sexual uh, health should be a yearly commitment that you have with your doctor. And it should be openly discussed so that you do know your status. Mm-hmm. Because knowing your status empowers you to take control of your sexual behavior in a better and more efficient way. I mean, mm. it's common sense, but I, I think getting that national pharmacare there, also the generics do help for those that have to pay their meds because it brings the prep down to a manageable cost. It, it, it sounds like anywhere that there's inequities, the, the HIV AIDS, like COVID-19, is finding a way to really attack and, and, and exploit those, those inequities as weaknesses. Yes, it does. It does because, but we have to we have to um, look at the rhetoric a bit more mm. and nuance it a bit more. 
people who use drugs overall in Canada account for about 17% of the new infections. So it's not the majority. Mm. It's just that it depends. If you're in Quebec, half of the cases are men who have sex with men. Okay, so it's GBMSM, as we call them. Right. Uh, when you go to Saskatchewan, they have the highest rates of HIV in Canada, and they're mostly Indigenous. Mm. So, yeah. there's, so there's that nuance. And then when you get to BC, it's another thing. And so each province is different. But that leads us to a new problem that we have in Canada is that the data capture is not done correctly. So we only have the provenance of 60% of the data. Wow. So we're establishing priorities for an envelope of $80 million of spending that hasn't increased in over a decade. And on data, that's not true. Wow. It's, so it's estimated data. So it doesn't, so it's, it's like nonsensical that this whole thing exists and that we don't have stop gaps to address these issues. Because it's just like when we talk about residential schools and truth and reconciliation, we have not seen the dial move at all over mm. the last five, six years. Mm. And it's the same thing with the HIV, you know, like they're, they're pretty well linked. I don't like using the COVID one too much mm. because, it, um, because it's, COVID is going, we, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sure. HIV, we don't. Okay, people are still dying of AIDS in Canada today. Mm -hmm. That's uh, something that really people are like, what do you mean they're still dying of AIDS? Yes, people are still dying of AIDS. People are catching neurosyphilis or mother to child transmissions in Alberta. Mm -hmm. To child transmissions. I mean, we haven't seen this in years. So we have a faulty STBBI approach in Canada that needs to be addressed more efficiently and we have to have testing declared an essential service during COVID because we're you know like once we get to herd immunity as the country's saying telling us on a provincial or federal level we're we're good to go well sorry but that leaves all the inequities and the gaps that existed that were highlighted during the COVID crisis glaring at us still Mm -hmm. And how will the new budgets, once they get rebalanced, be cut or reaffected? That's what we're really scared about, because mm -hmm. we need to ramp up, but we don't see that happening, and there's no engagement to do so. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it makes sense, but because there's there's like in Alberta, with the your provincial government, the provincial government that's there, the issue is that they've cut everything, mm -hmm. like a, like a harm reduction services are cut. So the, the people who can contract HIV are more likely to because there's less harm reduction services. And the, when it comes to HIV services, mm -hmm. they've been playing around with the organizations for the last year and a half. And right. funding is not, at, not sustainable there or sustained mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that and you look at the disparities across Canada, there's a lot of issues that we have to address yeah. more efficiently. And I think by establishing a better roundtable that includes the different stakeholders on a try uh, at least three or four times a year meeting to really address the real roadblocks and the barriers to uh, better care and support. 25 years ago at the Vancouver World AIDS Conference, antiretroviral treatments were announced, providing some hope for those with AIDS. 
Can you speak more to the reasons people have to hope in terms of the fight against HIV and AIDS since then? The hope that we have is that somebody who contracts HIV understands that it's not a death sentence anymore. It can be, but with the antiretrovirals, you have the same life expectancy as somebody who doesn't have HIV or almost. So that's Mm. pretty good. The issue is the comorbidities that come with the medication that you use. I mean, any medication, I'm diabetic. Mm. It, the, the medication I take affects everything in my body, okay? Right. It's the same thing for HIV. Mm. So I'm try, just trying to put it on the same level there. That's the chron, both chronic. So the issue is moving forward is that we have to understand what the, we do understand what the comorbidities are and the aging factor. So there is hope for people because if we go back 25 years or more ago, people had four or five months to live. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I have friends and people who I've worked with who contracted HIV in the 80s who had never thought they'd be alive today. Wow. So, you know, like what we were, what we asked them to do was to prepare for death. Most, most of them had to go on uh, uh, assisted living, like uh, long-term disability to be able to afford the drugs. So they had to get rid of their houses, their worldly possessions to get on drug therapies that were paid by the provinces. That was what we asked of them. So these people have been on disability since the long-term, these long-term survivors. Others stayed in their jobs and companies. So it, there's a mix of people out there. But as you were saying, the social determinants of health play a major part in how your life expectancy will be and at what level of uh, wellness you'll be at. Hmm. That's, the, that's the huge factor, but I mean, it's the huge factor with everybody too. What I like to look at is the gap between everybody and people who are living with HIV. And that's the gap that we have to play in and we have to ensure that we address as we move forward. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the research is, and the researchers, I have to lift my hat to them, because without the re- researches that, that have happened, we wouldn't be where we are, first of all, and we wouldn't have a COVID vaccine. Because mm-hmm. the COVID vaccine is, in large part, thanks to the research that was done in HIV. This is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy, at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter, at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wear a mask and get vaccinated. We'll see you soon.